0: Uh, somebody stole my R&R CatCast koozie I was taking pictures of it everywhere I had it on an empty beer And this guy just comes up and goes Get that you know, shit out of here And just threw it in a trash can So I was like I'm not going to make a scene And go dig through a trash can or yell at this dude So I let it go But I don't know what the NCAA laws are anymore I don't know if you even are allowed to make kids work out At 4am on their own time I feel like yeah, you protect kids are. pretty well but <laughs> Yeah you can Good Welcome back, Tribe from the North, brave and bold, to the official and official podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me today I have TJ. What's up, Vandals? And Brian. Good to be here. And Row the Boat, Alex Boatman, is back on. How are you doing, Alex?
1: Great to be back. Uh, yeah, let's do this.
0: Right, let's do it. Are you feeling better than the University of Minnesota right now? I don't know if that's possible, but... Uh, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born right here in majestic Big Sky Country. Best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes even right here in Idaho. 8% of their profits are donated to local organizations like the C.W. Augs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator Wranglers, pony riders... And badass do-gooders Visit montuckycoldsnacks.com today To find out how to get your ass some snacks Okay, around the bar uh, Big uh, L for, uh, for us <laughs> last week um, Against the University of Montana what Was it, 42-17 Um Brian, I, I believe you told us you predicted the score right. What were your uh, initial takeaways from the game?
2: Well, it was it was two halves, similar to what I talked about, which is Idaho's a first half team, not a second half team. Montana is not a first half team, but they are a second half team. Um, we looked we looked like we belonged uh, while backup quarterback Cam Humphrey was playing. We picked him off twice in the first quarter. Uh, forced a fumble from their uh, stud running back Nar- Marcus Knight, who was then benched for the rest of the half. Uh, but then the second half, man, the wheels absolutely fell off. Mason had his fourth three-plus turnover Big Sky game, um, and uh, Montana just showed uh, the distance right now between where we are and the top of the conference.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. The game was. Uh... The first half almost seemed, even when you're in the stadium, you know, too good to be true. You're like something, something's gonna fall apart. Speaking of, yeah, I think it was three turnovers in their first four drives, and then one of them, you know, they had the ball really deep, and then it's a running back fumble. So if it wasn't your Cam Humphreys making the two picks, which was great, because um, uh, Taylor Cash actually had the seat next to me in the stadium randomly, which was funny. But we started like a cams a bronco chant after the second pick and um try to rub it in that you know we got the boise state guy a couple times but uh, uh we both had the exact same reaction there on the fifth possession when dalton Snead came in and we just said you know oh shit so <laughs> about that point um the game kind of got out of hand and I, I remember leaving uh at halftime to go back out to the tailgates um, and literally turning to the guy I was with whose whole family were Grizz, and we got to spend time at their tailgate and everything, um, and just telling him, you know what, I don't care what happens in the second half. I believe it was 14-10 at halftime. But uh, I was like, the fact that we got up fourteen or 10-0, played great, caused a couple turnovers, made the Grizzly fans actually sweat. It actually got quiet in there for a little bit. Um, I was like, I don't care how the second half goes. Um, I didn't see it going well for us, so I was like, "At least I get to go out at halftime, not just get like you know, hammered l- l- into my ear all halftime about how bad we were. Can actually go out, ho- hold my head high, um, have a little bit of fun before, uh, yeah, the the second half happened and 28 points in the second half. Um, it it was bad.
3: Any, any other takeaways? I think uh, a a tale of two halves is one thing. I think a tale of two teams is pretty much another one. Uh, Our defense came out ready to play, that's for sure. Um, All those three turnovers in the first half were huge, and they were all pretty much forced by the defense itself, Uh, two interceptions and a fumble. I mean, offense wanted to do, I guess, I guess not really. I take that back. They didn't really. We've talked all year about this game plan of, you know, eating up clock, driving all the way down, and then scoring a touchdown, and we couldn't even get that done off of three turnovers, which could have easily been points if we had that gap of the first half like we did against Eastern, would have been a similar game to Eastern. But as we learn in the second half, second team pretty much is what we end up with is a completely new ball game. Um, but I think you're right about Dalton Sneed coming in the game and completely changing the vibe, the atmosphere of the stadium, the whole gameplay. I mean, that guy looked like he was one of the best in the FCS this year. Uh, Alex? Yeah, so
1: I was fortunate enough to watch the game from the sideline,
3: got a last-second
1: sideline pass. Shout-out to J.D. Johnson and uh, the coaching staff there. um, And kind of be able to watch the speed of the game, everything that was going on. You know, we stood toe-to-toe looking at the numbers we had 24 first downs. They had 24 first downs. They had 392 total yards. We had 363. We ran the ball better than they did, and we had three more, four more minutes of possession than they did. But the part that you really want to look at, penalties. We had three times as many penalties. And I'm going to touch on that. But it's Montana, the University of Montana football team, I have zero respect for. I have zero respect for how their players play. And the way they are coached, they are a bunch of fake tough guys who continually do stuff after the whistle, get away with it, and then when Idaho retaliates, we're the ones who gets the flag. Trust me, I've played in this game. I have watched it again from the sideline. I can tell you exactly what it's like. I can tell you what it said. Jeff Cotton is laying on the ground, hurt, and Bobby Houck's son, a joke of a player and an individual, stands over the top of him and starts talking crap to him. Like, come on. I have zero respect for that for that kind of mentality and that kind of play in players. Our guys sure ran their mouths a lot, but that was in response to what Montana said last year. It's response to what they did. They what they did. They're a bunch of fake tough guys that play after the whistle. And I despise. I despise how they play and the way they operate as a program. And that's not who we should strive to be. We need to strive to be ourselves. And I think there's some change that needs to happen in the way we approach things in the second half. It really hurt losing Jeff. That really, really hurt. Before Jeff was hurt, and that was at the second quarter, he had six yeah. catches for 98 yards.
0: Oh, Mason threw for
1: two. Mason threw for 242 yards on the day. 98 of it was to Jeff in the first quarter and a half of the game. Jeff's Jeff's healthy that whole game. They they, they couldn't guard him. They didn't want nothing to do with Jeff. And it, it's just it's frustrating seeing four turnovers. Um, you know, and you look at their. We talk about we should have more points off of turnovers. Two of their turnovers, they turn the ball over inside our 10-yard line twice. We turned the ball over twice inside our own 30-yard line. That led to 14 points for them. That led to only seven points for us. Um, and that kind of hurt, you know, in our field position battle at that point in the game. Um, I kind of went a little rant there. Um, no, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> that was I, um,
0: I, I want to touch on the penalties with you too, but...
3: <clears throat> Sorry.
0: Um, one thing I also noticed that I was talking about during the game... There's no reason for Mason Petrino to throw the ball 41 times. I mean, obviously, no. yeah, at the end when we needed to frickin' – but we were throwing the ball that much before uh, we were down, when we still had a lead, we were down by four. You look at this, Andre Carter, 4.4 yards average. He, uh, you know, you don't have to be a math, mathematician there to do four times three is uh, 12 yards. That's a first down every single time. He was averaging enough to get his first down. And um, now your, he Andre's got, a little banged up there yep. the
1: second half yep. of the game.
0: But <laughs> what was Stigpin's 4.2? So, you know, our run and then we just weren't giving the ball to him. And Romano, you know, a little bit less stellar at 2.8. But, you know, you're just looking. The guys were doing good. They just didn't get enough carries. I mean, when the most carries is by Mason Petrino for 18, and then Andre Carter, 10 carries. But like you said, he got dinged up. Thigpen only ended up getting five, and Romano only ended up getting six. And we throw the ball 41 times, and we have Mason run the ball another 18 times meaning you put the ball in Mason Petrino's hands yeah. 59 times in that game. Um, and yeah. you know, like you said, he, he ended up with 242 yards, but, uh, a lot of that came in the first half. I think Catrell Haywood did a really good job of stepping up, uh, in cotton's absence. The problem was it just, it wasn't enough. Um, no. and you know, I, I didn't get to see too much of the game from the TV. Uh, I will say, I, I think the one thing you said about the Montana is a bunch of fake tough guys. Um, that was one thing I actually uh it not in not in their sense but like the freaking 15 yard unsportsman likes for just taunting the bench and stuff. I was I literally think I said the tweet of like we really know what Montana tough is or Montana strong or whatever their little thing is. Like you say oh, something yeah. you say something mean to Montana and it uh, hurts their feelings and it's going to cost you 15 yards but um I don't know it's late in the game it we let that get under our skin and I'm not exactly oh, proud. Doubt of how we ended the game. Um, we definitely got out of our shell uh, and maybe mm-hmm. made a poor reflection on us. I know a lot of Montana people were not happy about how we acted at the end of the game. Um, we had some fake tough
1: tough guy plays,
0: too. No, we did, too.
1: Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, we had some fake tough guy plays. I think, you know, we did it the whole last quarter. I really yeah. saw them doing it, it just for broke. a full three. Yeah. And, but even in the fourth quarter when, you know, we're – trying to pull guys off a pile because they're what they're doing is they're on top of a pile putting knees down in guys faces and we're pulling guys off and then they flop and throw their bodies all over the freaking field to make it look like oh man he threw me he threw me it's like get it like get out of here stop selling it it's not it isn't soccer like you're supposed to be montana you're supposed to be tough start acting like it yeah Uh, i definitely definitely let it we definitely let it eat us a little bit and it's, it's i mean it's really hard to to fault anyone for getting really frustrated with uh Kind of how it was going down there in the, you know, fourth quarter. And let's not forget, we were only down by eleven points. That's, that's a touchdown in a field goal game in the halfway through the fourth quarter. Yeah. You yeah, know, no, I, I, our I... defense didn't make a stop when they needed to. Yeah. Um. You know, that's not fault of the defense because we should have scored more points, to turn the ball over less. But that's that's this game wasn't the the forty two to seventeen really blurs the lines on how this game actually was.
0: Yeah. If I believe correctly, they. Ejected, was it Cedric Thomas? Tyree Stedman. Tyree But he didn't commit the first personal foul. What, didn't they literally they call, say he called they two, called
1: They, they called the personal foul on him and unsportsmanlike after he had that uh, fumble recovery in the first half. No, that pick. After he had the pick in the first half. And he, like, threw the ball, apparently. And they called the unsportsmanlike okay, on that.
0: I remember there was an unsportsmanlike. I could swore they called on, like, 25. And then you had they that. They called one on.
1: They called that one on Jalen. They called two on Tyrese. And they so they did the actually call Ty two because I didn't. I didn't yeah. catch
0: um, the, set, it was, the first one. So I was, it was like, a really
1: subtle one, and the after a turnover when no one was really paying attention because we just picked them off when they're going to score. Yeah. Um. And so I think, but I mean, it was it was it wasn't like he was talking crap. It's not like he was punching anyone. The dude like threw the ball and excel in like in, you know excitement that he picked, had to pick. Yeah. Like, I mean. The refs in the this conference and the refs in the last conference, so I've heard from multiple people who have talked to refs on planes because they're not quite sure who they're talking to, do not like our sideline.
0: No, they definitely don't. Um, I mean, they, what? We just had a ref get suspended for the last game uh, that was calling the Idaho – oh, God, who do we have two weeks ago? Was Count was when Count he got caught chirping back at me at Paul Petrino saying that Mason had been talking, you know, shit all game. And he got picked up by the cameras, and so the big sky suspended him for the week. So yeah, that's probably
1: not. That's not the first coach. That's not the first <clears throat> rest who sent some something back to Coach Petrino from the last two conferences we've been in. I can tell you that much.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, not. I'm not. They don't. They don't like him.
2: Yeah. at all. Like I said, I'm coach, not. By, by the way, part of why they don't like him, it's not like he's the only coach who ever talks. No, no. But he. Uh, he has his own version of talking all the time that has hurt us yeah no he definitely definitely brought it upon himself we talk about idaho needing to be more disciplined penalty wise (laughs) it's pretty damn tough when the messenger is the least disciplined coach in the entire league in terms of picking up penalties and hurting his own team without even setting
1: foot on the field it does not help um yeah getting personal fouls from the bench um But those are some key things. I think the 42-17 score blurs some things. We stood toe to toe with Montana, who is supposedly a top 10 team in the country, for three and a half quarters. Um, It's just frustrating seeing what Idaho's at right now at four and six, knowing we can easily be seven and three or six and four um, if we, you know, execute uh, a game plan better. On the offensive side of the ball,
0: sometimes. Hey, but we're only two wins away from being bowl eligible.
1: Hey, do you think the Potato Bowl will take us? I think there's no rule against non-invited FCS team. So.
0: I I think there is because I thought yeah, about well, this. Just, Remember how just, you you had to have six FBS wins to be at bowl qualified? So I think that would be our issue. I th- yeah, I thought yeah, you're this probably right. Day. Yeah, yeah, so. But um all right well Alex I kind of unless uh, TJ or Brian you have any more takeaways from the game Yeah there's two things
2: one I, I just want to push back I I don't feel like this was actually close we we got our asses kicked in the second half uh, you know we Montana scored 28 uh, they scored 14 14 14 through the second third and fourth quarter we scored seven points in the second half like I don't think it was that close uh the big the big positive takeaway I'll say is we did limit their rushing you know they averaged 2.8 yards per carry and that number was not inflated uh based off of sacks because of how uh, the NCAA counts sacks against rushing yards yeah we had I believe we had one sack uh so we we actually did for the most part stuff Montana on the run it's just uh their their court through the air they did quite well and they were able to they had five rushing touchdowns because they were in they had good they had good position for a ton of the game. Um again, you know, we ran into what we talked about last week. This is part of how Montana beats teams. We have one Lloyd Hightower. Uh they've got three elite receivers plus other young guys who we didn't name, uh like Mitch Roberts who came in. Yeah, and he, he out of nowhere. Catches.
0: I remember saying that. I'm like, who is like we we follow the Big Sky pretty big as a whole, and being on yep. the pod, Big Sky Podcast Network, we hear a lot about Montana, and say I listen to the Grizz Fan Pod, uh, the Montana Mint Sports Pod. I don't think I've ever heard Mitch Roberts brought up one, maybe in the Grizz Fan, because they go on for three hours. I don't listen to all all three hours of him, yeah. but uh, I I don't think I've ever heard his name brought up, and he ha- ended up with what? Uh, where's Four the catches, 52 yards. Yeah, and I felt like always in big situations, too, like... It was like third and, and, and seven, also, and, and they hit eighty. And you're just like, who's who's this guy? They
2: also had the the running backs are actually more effective through short passes. You know, their running backs combined for five catches, sixty four yards, um, which is you know right around nine ish yards per catch. Uh, whereas, like we said, rushing they only picked up two point eight. So, I mean, long story short, the front seven we've been talking about all year, they did well. Um, it's just. First off, Montana's good. And second, you know, our secondary is not as strong as our front seven. And then third, I'm i I'm circling back to this just because the Missoula media talked about it for once. Actually, Michael Dugar, former yep, um, Moscow hope. Pullman Daily News beat reporter, was on the ESPN yeah. Missoula show to talk about it. Man, we saw when teams don't have to care about whether we can stretch the field at all it contracts our offense and just playing Mason again like I know we're, we try not to talk about this forever playing Mason's been indefensible the whole damn time and you know 20, he threw it 41 times he's supposed to be accurate with short passes he completed 21 of 41 passes that's 52% that is, that is absolutely not not good he leads the big sky in turnovers i don't see the upside of the guy playing another down
0: no, uh, we actually decided to leave uh, Taylor Cash and I were one of the, some of the last two um, There in the stadium And we literally said on that last possession It was over um, My buddy wanted to go out in the parking lot and start drinking But I was like, no like I'm a big Nikhil Nair fan. fan um, There's no reason to not put him in At this point It was like, what, four minutes left There was no way in the world We were going to score enough points And if we did, Mason wasn't going to be the one that did it uh, And sure enough We're rolling out, Mason rolls out, and they even had kill taking snaps on the sideline. And that's where I'm just like, like, how freaking, like, just in your own head you have to be? Like, the game is out of freaking hand. Uh, Mason has not played great. He hasn't played great in the last freaking four or five games. And you're still just rolling him out here. And I was just so, I couldn't be, I couldn't be there. And that was like the final straw. And I was like, we're going to lose anyways. I don't need to sit here to the end. You know, I felt kind of let down. We got the the so. I mean, I don't know what it looked like on TV, but I felt like there was a good m- amount of vandal spans there. We were loud. We were actually cheering on defense, like screaming on defense when they were backed up in the end zone. We were doing vandal first down chance. We were starting the fight song on turnover. Like we came out and we became prepared and we fought for them. And I just felt like, you know, some. I'm not blaming the whole team, but the team as a whole fell flat for us and you know maybe it's just a couple people a part of that or just the coaching staff but um it's really depressing because like they had a really good out out for you know an away game when they haven't won an away game uh the whole time they've been back you know you don't they had no reason for people to travel um but people did and they got into it it's not like they just sat there on their hands in a hostile environment and so that that kind of sucked but um 22,333 was the attendance of this game, which wasn't a sellout. Um, I took a picture of it. uh, But, I don't know if you looked at it or how it looked on TV. The Montana student section. um, looked dismal. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I was really surprised. Like, Idaho's current student section might have more people in it. I don't know if it's maybe because they don't understand the rivalry. It was a little cold. Um, They've got a big game next. I have no idea. Uh, maybe because it was a three-day weekend, a lot of them left Missoula. But it was like only yeah, like,
1: that. That could be. I always know three-day weekends in Moscow. Um, yeah, it's hunting really season. Why we start? Why we start playing um, our Labor Day game uh, on a Thursday if we have a Labor Day game because everyone leaves and goes home, um, and no students show up. So that, I mean, not to give excuses, but I, you know, for Montana and they're having a great season, and we're supposed to be their second biggest rival after Montana state. And there's a trophy on the line and that wasn't sold out by about what, 4,000, 5,000 people. No, I was the, cor- the corners
0: line. were bare, which surprised me. Cause I thought Montana with the way <laughs> yeah. the season was going, the whole stadium would be sold out. But, uh, yeah. but the, the student section, I was like really, really surprised, but. No, i got a question about the student section.
2: Like how, I know after halftime. No, it was bad you know, all game. On TV, on okay, I was gonna say on TV, there was a notice, noticeable difference after halftime. Yeah, the and whole it got stadium was a little was bit better after. later on. But you're saying through the whole game, the students like section the was
0: beginning tough. of the game. I was thinking maybe kids were still just getting in. It was maybe eight rows deep, and they kind of have like I don't know how they, they have like one whole section, like if you're thinking about the Kibbe Dome, and then like two of the like half little jet outs because they're like back there in the what were we the north south, whatever end zone we were in. Um, and they're, like, right there on the corner. It never filled up the whole game. And then, like, the picture I t- t- took was actually, like, it wasn't trying to make it look bad. I could have taken one during halftime where there was only, like, two rows of kids. Um, but I kind of took it when most of the stadium started to fill back up again just because, like, it was something that I noticed throughout the game. And especially when they scored a touchdown and they do this, like, they raise a flag up that says, we are Montana or we are the Grizz. And they almost didn't have enough people at the back end of it to actually, like, hold the flag. And it's not a super big flag. Like, it didn't take up the uh, – I don't know. I noticed it, which is weird because I think of, like, the Idaho section, you know, in years previous before the FCS um, was definitely bigger than that, and we've never had that much to cheer about. I mean, they're the number 16 in the country and probably getting a seat in the playoffs, but um, I think it's just something to speak of college athletics. Uh, it's happening everywhere, but it, I was really, I guess, surprised to see it at Montana. I thought that would be a place where Montana wouldn't be having that problem because they're the only show in town – they have a very strong alumni base. So it was more shocking to me to see it. We're like, no offense, like Eastern, I kind of expected at Eastern. I expected at Weber, Portland State, et cetera. Um, Idaho State, Idaho even. But like Montana, Montana State, I, I didn't expect it. And then especially when Montana State last year, it was snowing and I felt like they had more students turn out. But I think it was their homecoming too, so that's a little different. But weird, I, I just something I noticed. But then, uh, Alex, you've played in a lot of loud stadiums uh you've traveled to a lot mm-hmm. of loud stadiums now i know probably not as loud as penn state but i did have some montana people tell me it's a little bit more intimidating because it's so close in niche that you know it won't be like penn state but it'll feel just as like they're on top of you or you're you know what is was that your yeah. first time there and what'd you kind of think that about?
1: was a uh... That was my second. That was my third time in their stadium. First time I've seen a game there since two thousand three, when Joe, when uh, Harrington was playing quarterback so instead of Ryan Lingren. I've only experienced Vandal losses at Walker's, um, but it was loud. I definitely, um, give me the Kirby Dome on a pack on a packed day, and they'll be louder than that. I'll tell you that much. Um, the stadium, it's tough. The atmosphere. I've always liked night games better when it comes to atmosphere. Mm-hmm. On on the road, um. Western Michigan in 17 was one of the best at that. Western Michigan was loud. Western Michigan felt packed because it was their first home game after their unbelievable season when they went to the the Cotton Bowl. Um, I think that was better than uh, than Montana, but it, it it was definitely loud down there on the sideline. I mean, I, I, it was one of the louder ones I've been in, that's for sure. But I'll still think I still believe the Kibby Dome is louder um, on a packed on a packed like. Uh, Saturday night game, but it's uh, like homecoming or dad's weekend or something like that. So it was – it's still one of my favorites. I like Walgreens. Yeah. I uh, love how close the fans are. I love the fans talking a lot of crap. I love – I always love it. I always love hearing what fans have to say. Um, and some of their families got kicked out for what they're saying to our players. It just yeah. goes to show you I've never seen that in a way venue where the uh, home fans go so far as that some of them almost get kicked out. Yeah, um, multiple multiple times. They're throwing Twinkies at our players. Yeah, oh, really? I'm not kid. Yes.
0: Yeah, but yeah. probably because they didn't let them bring potatoes in this time. I don't know if you read that article yeah. that uh, Colton Clark wrote, but yeah, they used to throw potatoes at us, and they hit uh, Ken Hobart so hard in the head it knocked his contact out. But uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, yeah, it's
1: I kind of it was it was interesting. I liked it.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a fan, like you said, of how their players were playing and how they were acting, but their fans. For the most part, they gave it as good as they got it. You know, they they let us throw in our ribs. They they threw their ribs. Um, I had a really good time back and forth with them. Great atmosphere. Um, totally like things. I well, first I'll talk about the loudness of the stadium. Then we'll cover the little bits of other pieces from Missoula and Walker. Grizz. But uh, I I didn't actually think it was that loud. I don't. I maybe it's because I've been lucky enough to go to a lot of places. And um, I mean, it's definitely louder than. I didn't travel anywhere in the Sun Belt, so I don't really know. But, like, I'm thinking back to the WAC. Like, it's not louder than Reno um, was when they had played the Vandals. Uh, It's not louder than Boise State. Um, But I I do see why – I feel like it's because, like you said, they're so on top of you. Maybe it's so much more intimidating. But I definitely didn't get the, you know, loudest stadium in the FCS vibe. Um, No,
1: I – I would love to see the, I bet, I guarantee the Fargo Dome outdoes that place 10 times over. Yeah, because because if it
0: is, then I'm kind of like sad for the FCS. Like I said, it's a great atmosphere and there's nothing wrong with having a great atmosphere. It can be one of the best atmospheres, but as far as as crowd noise, like it, I did not think it was very strong. And at one point I literally stood up and like put my hand to my ear because I was like this, this, I think I took a Snapchat of it where I'm like, it sounds like church in here. It was like yeah, I've, I've
1: I've been I've been in plenty louder. Um, yeah, Sunbelt, not too much compares because we play weird times and stadiums weren't as nice in terms of how close you were to the field, so it wouldn't get too loud a lot. I'm really trying to think back to where it might have been loud in the Sunbelt. Um, the yeah, App State. Uh, yeah,
0: that's what I thought of when um, but somebody said that. Then Row was kind of
1: loud when we played there. They had a good crowd.
0: Lafayette probably um, well no because they play in the Lafayette wasn't Superdome that good. and they don't have enough people. No, they'll play in the Superdome. They oh, play right.
1: their stadium was, they play. Dominic. Um yeah, there was no one really ever that loud in the Sunbelt. Um but I mean Auburn. I mean I mean not to yeah. compare it to Auburn, it's Florida tough. yeah <laughs> Mar- martin stadium let's let's talk about wazoo I mean, okay that's, only that's what 30, 30, i was gonna 30 30 000 people that's not that big then the whole
0: it just feels like little wazoo the whole time i was there let's let's move on to like oh
1: man yeah let's get out of here let's let's get to talk about montana it's a terrible state um we'll be going back anytime soon uh <laughs> downtown missoula though treats you very well yeah it was so, fun kind of
0: yeah um no, but, see, I, that's funny because the whole time I'm there, like, this just feels like Martin Stadium, like more, more old Martin Stadium before they put up the new press box.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it does. But, you know, I, you know, being a Coug person, I had a soft spot for it. Um, I remember talking to – I was at the game with Tom Hennessy, and he literally said, like, I'm extremely jealous of everything they have going on here. Like, their Champion Center is beautiful. The stadium could yeah. use a little bit of TLC. You can tell it's starting to show its age a bit, but um, – Overall, like it's still a great stadium. Like if I'm an Eastern fan, I mean, you go, yeah, we definitely have some work work to do. Um, how does
1: Eastern beat Montana in recruiting? I can never tell you no. that they must have some magic. And water I will say,
0: their tailgating, I like how they do their tailgating better. It's just like how I said how Montana State does it. They do it very similar. Where if you're a big booster or whatever, you get a whole like cube of you can park your car here, you can put tents here, you can do whatever you want here, but this is your space. You know, do do with it, with it what you will. But bouncy houses, we don't care. Um, which I thought was super cool because, you know, us, it's like you're just in a freaking parking lot. And you always have those gomers that will be like 30, an hour to kick off, 30 minutes to kick off. And they're trying to pull into their university club spot. And you're like, so now you have all these people in VSF lot one and two. And they're like trying to move so they can let this one car randomly in. Um, so that was kind of like, I noticed that, yeah. but I love how they line their RVs like on the walkway up to the stadium. So you just have like RV alley yeah. instead of where us, it's, it's like, you know, different parking spots. I love that. The one thing that I noticed too, was we were hanging out after the game and that place clears out fricking fast. And mm. I think it's because the differences in Moscow, most people live in Boise, Coeur d'Alene, Lewiston, Seattle, Portland, so you know they're driving up in their RV Thursday or Friday, and they're parked there. They're not going anywhere Saturday night. So you no, can be. No, no one goes anywhere Saturday. So you night, can be in the tailgate lot all freaking night. Where there, I'd say yeah. about an hour after the game, just about every single RV had plowed up. Most people were packing up and getting getting the heck out of Dodge because they all probably live in Missoula. So all they're doing is really bringing their man, RV and buses back to you know the storage unit or the Man, bus.
1: how great would that be to have your whole fan base like within? 20 miles of where you play. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's why <laughs> that's why they can sell out 25,000 usually. But yeah. um, all right, before we start previewing senior night against another top team in the country, um, any any fun stories, Alex? I know I only saw you what was it, Friday night for like a brief couple seconds.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it was a, a good time. Uh, for those of you familiar, Josh Ellingson, Eric Hale, a couple of Vandal's, we were together again as we were in Portland. Uh, you know, um, a lot of forgetting. From the weekend, but, or a lot of not remembering, maybe a better way to put it, um, Missoula felt like just a bigger Moscow to me, if that makes sense, that's, that's how I felt, just a bigger Moscow, um, nothing, you know, no fights, everyone was pretty hospitable for the most part, so can't really, can't really complain too much, uh, I don't want to say too much on here, it's it's still a family, family show, hopefully,
0: (laughs) so. Yeah, we, uh, I, uh, we ran into Terry Gallick, um, Friday night at Stockman's gave her a handshake my buddy who was coming he's actually a Boise State fan uh when I told her oh he's a Boise State fan she was like oh I might need to shake my hand then which, or wash my hands then which is pretty funny but uh she was at Stock she was at Stockton? She was at, Stockman's was at Stockman's Friday night oh yep my God. yeah before it got crazy it was like yeah, we had just got dinner but it's pretty funny yeah so that was that was really cool um then the only other thing uh, somebody stole my R&R CatCast koozie. I was taking pictures of it everywhere. And I had it on an empty beer, and this guy just comes up and goes, get that you know, shit out of here, and just threw it in a trash can. So I was like, I'm not going to make a scene and go dig through a trash can or yell at this dude, so I let it go. Um, but then to speak about how nice the people were, we were at another bar after the game, and some dude was apparently just really upset that I was still wearing Idaho stuff. And so he just started – Trying to pick a fight with me, like to the point where he was talking at me, but I was purposely not, you know, turning around to give him the time of day because I just knew he wanted to like start something. Yeah. And then he finally grabs my shoulder and pulls me around to make sure I'm hearing what he's saying. And when he does that, the two girls I'm with who are Montana like uh, fans, they start yelling at him, telling him to quit being an a-hole. And then their mom gets involved who, you know, doesn't know me. Both these people met me for the first time that night she starts yelling at this dude Then the bouncer comes up and gets involved and they go, this guy's harassing this guy for being an Idaho fan while he's just trying to order a drink. And the bouncer just like tosses the dude out of there. I was like, that's great. You have one <laughs> jack wagon fan. That was, that, was that at? uh reds. I think.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't remember a lot of reds Saturday. So, yeah.
0: but anyways, Missoula fun town. We should probably do it again yeah. sometime. Was it November 13th, 2021? But, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see them back in the dome next year. And, uh, in October. We'll see. After seeing Cam Humphreys, I I like our shots. Plus, we all know where we stand on the quarterback conferences. Oh, and I met, uh, um, oh, God, Sully Shannon's mom at the airport before I boarded mm. the plane. I'll say she said good things. She said this class absolutely loves being at Idaho because I was worried because he's one of the Arizona guys. Mm-hmm. She said they all love it. They love Moscow. They're all planning on staying for the summer, and they're just so excited. And then, obviously, big news, we signed um, C.J. Jordan, the guy out of Union High School, the quarterback. So they're all excited for maybe another young guy to come in at quarterback, plus the two young guys we already have on the roster. So there's a lot of optimism from the young players, which was, which was really good to hear. Um, That's great to hear. Hopefully we'll see some of those young players tonight. Or, sorry, tonight, Saturday night, as it's senior night, the number six Sac State Hornets are playing us in the Kiwi Dome. Uh, We're ranked, and this is all according to Versus Sports Simulator, the number 29-ranked Idaho Vandals, who are a a nine-and-a-half-point dog at home. It's like they haven't learned that we're just a different team at home. Preview, Brian, TJ, you guys were a little quiet there because you guys didn't get to go to Missoula, so you just had to listen to us. Rift for a little bit uh, TJ. You've been the quietest longest. How about you give us a little preview to this game? Uh,
3: previews tough. I guess it Just is kind of it goes along with what the script of the season is uh, we kind of come off these highs and lows um, You know coming up a win versus Cal Poly and Idaho State back-to-back We're getting confident going to these games, and then we get dropped right down back to earth um, so, And then we continue to talk about which quarterback's going to start, who's going to make the difference in all these games. And we keep continuing to see the same thing. Um, I know you talked a little bit about attendance at Montana State. I honestly think they didn't see us as much of a threat, so maybe they didn't show up for that game. Um, and I don't think Sac State does as well. I don't think that means that they played down to us. But um, this is going to be a tough one to win. Um, we can do everything we can on defense and control the run game. Um, but I'm sure this quarterback talk will come right back up where we see are we going to include these other guys, get Nikhil some, some snaps, um, maybe he pull a red shirt or something like that. But it's going to take something else to get this win, that's for sure.
0: Technically at this point we wouldn't have to burn any red shirts. There's only two games left. So any guy we play, we can luckily play. Um, except Colton. Except so, Colton. Except Colton. <laughs> and let's not burn that red shirt, please. Uh, Brian, where are you at on the Sac State game? So, big picture, Sac State is,
2: like Montana, they are strong offensively and defensively. Uh, Sac State has probably the best lineman in the conference. His name is George Obina, leads the league in sacks at nine, in conference play, nine sacks. Uh, you guys can do the math. That's more than one a game. Um, big question for Sac State. We don't know whether Kevin Thompson, who's their – Starting quarterback, Walter Payton Award nominee. Uh, he hurt his backslash neck in their loss to Weber State. It's unclear if he's going to be playing or not. Um, and the Sac State Sacramento State offense did not move the ball nearly as well um, against Northern Arizona, the league's worst <laughs> worst defense, surrendering around 500, starting 540 yards a game is Northern Arizona in conference. Uh, Sac State kind of lucked out to pull. Uh, pull away with the win, 38 34 meaning they, they scored 14 points last like two minutes um it's there's some ways where it's going to be tough for us on defense because they are uh, Sack state strength is kind of getting to the quarterback um they're relatively strong uh rushing defense that they give up around middle of the pack yards per game uh but their line is pretty damn tough um, and then they also have one of the league's best running backs, Elijah Dotson, he gets yards both receiving and rushing. And uh, Kevin Thompson, if he's playing his top wide receiver target is a guy named Pierre Williams. Uh, but big picture, this is kind of like the Montana matchup, except Sack is probably better defensively than Montana, but not qu- just a little bit less explosive offensively.
0: Yeah, see, I actually think do we have an update on Kevin Thomas Thompson? Because I think it's Twitter. Twitter
2: twi- there's video of him practicing.
0: Okay, because I think that's the big one here. I think uh, we play different at home. There's no way to if and but about it. I mean, we held with number three Weber, who I know just had a tough week on their own. Um, but at, it's still the number three team in the country. Uh, we beat Eastern, who's having a resurgence, and obviously that was before the resurgence. But whatever. We've two years now. We've proven we play different at home. If Kevin Thompson was in, I think this is a lot like Montana was last year where we just don't have it, and then they would beat us a lot worse at their place than they would at our place, which we saw this year against Montana. Um, but I think if – what's his name? Dunanway, Dunanway is playing. I, I like our shot. Um, obviously, I'll get in here in the future if I think we win. But if Kevin Thompson doesn't play, it's a game worth tuning into. Uh, the only problem is I I don't know how many people are going to watch. I think Montana. You beat Montana. Maybe people ride out the hope that maybe we make the playoffs these last two weeks. Um, some things fall away. I have no idea what fan attendance is going to be like at this one, um, and I have no idea who is going to watch it other than people that have to podcast about it. But um, also one last thing for
2: us. Jeff Cotton's out.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's, I think he's taken stock, and he's already what, confirmed for the Hula Bowl. So I, I wish we could see him. And maybe, maybe it's not that, but I'm viewing it as he's had a couple injuries now this year, um, and he's got a real shake at making the NFL. There's nothing worth fighting for uh, this year but maybe getting some of these young guys snaps anyways, in which case you don't need the senior in there. I'd love to see him on senior night, be able to maybe show out and catch a touchdown pass and maybe put some running in to be an All-American at wide receiver. I think he's definitely going to end up all-conference no matter what. But an All-American nod would have been cool. But um, at this point, you know, he's given us everything we could have ever asked for. I'm pro him focusing on maybe making the league now. I believe he's in the concussion protocol.
1: Is he? Yeah, I think so.
0: Um, Alex, do you have any thoughts on uh, yeah. Sack hey,
1: tune into the Hula Bowl. You might see one former Vandal great, Jake Luton, throw into another Vandal great, Jeff Cotton. So, oh, uh, can
0: you just imagine what that would have been like? <laughs> Why, geez. Yeah,
1: um, real quick. Um, this game, I'm not really going to talk a lot about stats or numbers. Um, it's, this game's all about emotion. Uh, Senior night is a special time for. For Idaho and for all these kids, uh, these guys are my my friends, my brothers. Um, sad to see guys like Rason Crawford and Lloyd Hightower, you know, Seth Thomas, Noah Johnson, Jeff, you know, guys like that lead the program. Um, so that that's what this game should mean. Uh, senior night shouldn't mean a whole lot about matchups and what's going on. It should be you. One thing Coach know always talks about to the to the to the guys who are not seniors is. Go out and play everything you have on for their senior night so that everyone turns around and pays that to you on your senior night um, so I really hope that's what happens. I never doubt what might happen on a senior night for us. last year was a tough one, montana um, but yeah, uh with no reason to go out and f- not finish a home strong, so just hope we give everything we got and you know things kind of go our way and so have a good
0: game. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about it. I'm I'm going to turn it on. I'm a more um, – just to see how legit Sac State looks. Um, and, like you said, get one more look at these guys, one more look at the Dome, and hopefully close the chapter on what might go down as the worst Idaho season ever. I know last year was bad. But at least there are still people showing up. We had the Montana game at home. This one just hasn't, from the get-go, with Central Washington, had attendance um, wins. So, I mean, Eastern, that was, that was pretty good. But I don't know. It's brighter future ahead, hopefully. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. let's, let's hit our score predictions here. We'll start the versus score simulator has a 36-20 to 20, um, probability of Sacramento, or probability, score prediction for Sacramento State. Alex, what's your score prediction? 21-20,
1: Idaho, Cade Coffee game-winning field goal.
0: Is he going to play? He also looked a little beat up there on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Cade
1: hasn't been good, um, all the way healthy physically for most of the season, but he still handles the, the kick, the the field goals and PATs and the punts and that other kid will handle the kickoff still. Okay.
0: Brian?
2: 38-17 Sacramento
3: State. Mm. TJ? I'll one-up you and I'll go 40-17 Sac State. Um,
0: I'm going to, God, to see the stupid Idaho. We'll get into this in a second. I'm pretty sure I'm trailing Brian. Not Well, there's a couple other games, but mostly because – Brian has wisely stayed away from picking Idaho this year, uh, where I have picked (laughs) Idaho this year, except I think I predicted on here for Eastern to beat Idaho, and then that was like the only game that I predicted everywhere else that Eastern would lose, and then I freaking pick it on here, but uh, that they wouldn't. But, um, God, Idaho, don't burn me on this one. I don't think Kevin Thompson plays because I don't think they think they'll need him. Uh, we play better at home senior night some guys fired up 17 18 Idaho
1: love to Chris I'm going to
2: give you one chance to just one last thing to consider Sac State still needs to pick up a win probably to feel safe about being in the playoffs
0: yeah they'll get against UC Davis
2: okay just making sure you know
0: yeah um man alright <laughs> corner Stool takes. Anyone got any
3: any hot hot corner stool takes? TJ. Uh, Mason Petrino, three hundred yards, four touchdowns. Okay, man, you've been drinking tonight. No. Nope. Wait, how how <laughs> many yards? How many yards? He you said, said four hundred. No, <laughs> oh, th- I meant three hundred. Sorry, oh. three hundred yards, four touchdowns. No, I think he did say three
0: hundred. All right,
3: yeah. um, Alex. Uh, Vandal when We're gonna
1: finish five hundred for the year. Yeah, there we go.
3: Um,
0: I but I'm gonna give mine as a I wish YouTube TV would get Root Sports. I'm incredibly mm-hmm. happy with the fact that I can now go to the Root Sports app and watch Root Sports, but because it's not on my YouTube TV, I can't record. And I'm a big rewatcher. The Seattle Sounders just won the MLS Cup. I've already rewatched it twice, like. I still have both potato bowls that I like. Was cognitively an adult enough to remember saved on a DVR somewhere that I put onto a flash drive. Like I like to rewatch games, and it's kind of hard when like I gotta come home and stay up till eleven to watch the replay on Monday night. Um, so, Root Sports, love that you are doing streaming. Can we get some streaming on um, YouTube TV or some? I, I'll switch to a different streaming provider if they do that. But that that's mine, Brian.
2: Okay, two two things. One piggybacks off of last week. Last week I said we, we do have strong pieces, but they would not show themselves against Montana because it was just a wretched matchup. Really want to sh- circle back. We we ha- we held them to 2.8 yards per rush. They have one of the best running backs in the league. They have one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league, and still 2.8 yards a rush. We have a ton of guys returning next year defensively. A lot looks looks like it could be all right. We just got a ride through the end of this rough year. Second corner stool take. We haven't seen him on campus yet. Caleb Jordan, the three star recruit that you talked about mm-hmm. that we have from Union High School. But Vandals, this guy. this is a huge get for us. Yes. Uh, so if, if you are getting down about Vandal football, by the way, like the Mason Petrino storyline for two years has been atrocious for this program. Yeah. It well, is going survive. to be over in two games. And we are going to have a, a, a recruit who, I, you know, we haven't seen him play. We don't know how good this guy is yet, but even off of two rough years, we're still getting guys like a three-star quarterback. This guy turned down six FBS FBS offers. He turned down five Ivy League offers. We we beat him um, in They're a recruiting Eastern. race between us and yeah, Eastern Washington, Portland State. There's there are still people who have faith that this program can turn around. And become, you know, what we used to be back in the 90s in the big sky. We have some of the pieces yet. This team, this year's team was just incomplete. And when we face teams that can expose our weaknesses, it looks atrocious. Some of those things will be better next year.
1: Real quick, can I piggyback on Brian's? I love the potential signee in that kid. Also, other quarterback who we've offered, and we're still his top pinned uh, offer on his page, Dominic Choffer. Juco kid out of uh, New York, bounced back from a 4-2-4, um, has other offers from Lamar, um, interest from Charlotte, um, Moorhead State, Southeast Missouri. So, but Lamar and Southeast Missouri, those are teams we need to try to compete with for some talent when it comes to quarterbacks in certain positions in FCS football. So really hoping we can get that kid. We can get this um, Caleb Jordan kid in and on the roster. Colton's back another year and Nathan Cisco. I just want to see as much competition as possible for who our next quarterback's going to be. Because in my opinion, you have competition like that. The best is going to rise to the top. Yeah. And it's giving us the best chance to win next year.
0: Yep. And no favoritism assumed, meaning whoever plays next year is probably actually the best guy. So it takes one of our negative narratives away from us next year, which will be great. Hashtag ask TATC, Uh, Brian, I don't think we put anything on Twitter, but I believe you went on all vandals and really, uh, well, you poked the fire, poked the bear. Did we get anything good for, out of that that you kind of want to just bring up and we'll answer? Yeah, we got. So we got a couple. Um, get I'm on here trying to actually, find them, but I don't know where you posted it.
2: Yeah, sorry, man. We got we got three guys. This is really interesting listening uh, for people while I hunt through my phone for the pictures. Uh, I believe a dude named Vandal. Uh, I think it's Vandal Pride '97. Yeah. Um, he said, "Okay, Alex, this would be a great one, maybe mm. for you to answer because you're a player and you got better uh, understanding of this."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, question is, what kind of punishment should players get for unsportsmanlike conduct? I believe the question is specifically about unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, and what I, I believe in addition to bracket this, Alex, it mm-hmm. we're not talking about like the celebratory ones, where because I think everyone agrees, like when a yeah, guy makes talking. a huge defensive play. Yeah. Like, they, they should be able to exhale excitement. We're talking about, like, ripping a guy's helmet off. Don't Trey no Walker punches. ripping
1: a guy's helmet off. Yeah, yeah. we're talking about <laughs> that.
2: In your um, mind, what's fair punishment for that?
1: Um, for, get yanked <laughs> off the field and spend time with Coach Scharnhorst on a nice uh, Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. And have fun with that. That's what I think should happen.
0: You think all, all internal and uh, – I mean, cardio and workout and that kind of wise.
1: Yeah, getting your getting your ass running to the ground or doing four thousand feet on a versa climber might uh, make you think Some twice suds. about doing something. <laughs> as someone who's had to do three thousand feet on a versa climber for showing up five minutes late to workout once, it makes everyone show up late again. Couldn't imagine having to do that continually with that no sportsmanlike conducts.
0: Yeah, um, I personally think I don't know, Brian. I know you didn't ask me, but I think. You gotta do something publicly about especially the ripping off a helmet. That one's kinda of bad. It's like uh Mark Milan when he got caught. I don't remember ESPN, I don't remember who Oh it was. yeah,
1: that was New Mexico State.
0: Yeah. It's that just,
1: weird that weird Halloween night when yeah. we were 27 point lead and yeah, when the eight hundred people were there. And he's uh yeah, like twisting I remember, ankles. I that game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's gotta four be something linebackers the next game. If it's public and it's on TV, maybe if this is game on Pluto and no one's watching but us yeah. in Montana, but when it's on route and I mean, yeah, I'm not fair. saying you need to pick and choose when you punish people for doing bad things but when it's public I think it needs maybe a more public response I don't know if at that's posting Twitter videos of him getting ran into the ground at four in the morning but I don't know what the NCAA laws are anymore I don't know if you even are allowed to make kids work out at 4 a.m. on their own time I feel like yeah, you protect protecting kids pretty well but <laughs> yeah you can good because yeah, that should be part of it and then I don't know game suspension yeah. I, I don't know how to handle it I'm not a coach and that's why I don't want to yeah. be a coach. I don't like discipline, but I think that they need to be disciplined. So, um, yeah. I will yeah.
2: bring this back to like Idaho's team has shown appalling lack of discipline this year.
0: Yes. If you look,
2: if you look at penalty yards, there's about 40 yards per game average distance between us and the next closest team in conference. Uh, so I, with in terms of you know having repercussions for some of that. Man, I don't know what the best option is. I know that it's not – a guy like Trey Walker doing that is egregious, and there has to be something. Uh, but lack of discipline has showed itself in just about every
0: damn Idaho game. Yeah. Um, all right, you got one more? Yes. Um, well, we
2: Yeah, there's two, and okay. one takes like nine seconds. All right, that works. Uh, the, the, re- the real quick one is from HeadKick. He asks, how much additional money would the VSF take, take in if Paul Petrino was gone? So, that's hypothetical. Paul Petrino is gone. Um, how much excitement and donations would you project that to
0: be? TJ? Oh, I thought you said something. Um, I See, that's a tricky one because from – I don't know. I don't know if I should name the guy or not. But the guy I was talking to a couple days ago um, who was – Going back and talking about it, he pretty much said that like funding for that has hypothetically already been raised. They have donors lined up willing to drop it if the move is made, Um, especially with a rumor of it being Scott Linehan. That was kind of the the hypothetical is if Scott is in and you pull the trigger on firing Paul, um, then the money has already been raised. Now, I don't know how – I only met this guy once, um, but his pretty much thought was, you know – $1.8 it one point8 million dollars thinks like a lot, but when you take together the entire Idaho alumni base, um, that's a really big sm- small drop in the bucket, especially when you consider Scott Green's enthusiasm he brings to it. Um, so they don't seem very worried about doing the buyout. Now, I do think the problem with um, Head kick's question is I think that's a lot of more bark than bite. I think people say, if you fire Paul Petrino, I'll donate. You know, I'll up my donations by twenty percent, and then it comes time to up their donation by twenty percent, and they don't. Or the new coach comes in and he loses the first three games because he's trying to get rid of people that don't want to be there anymore, and then the donations quit altogether again. So I think it's, I think there is enough people built up against Paul, but then the side of me that also sees like, yeah, for the donation purpose, but there's a small bit of me that's like, look at these recruits, we still get in. I almost I want him to get some time where he can't get in his own way um, with quarterback decision. So I don't know if I'm pro getting rid of Paul just yet, but I am, I'm probably one of the last strongholds on that. But, I mean, he does a really great job recruiting. And I think a lot of that, firing it, the people emailing him and everything, a lot of them would donate because most of the people are people like HeadKick and people that are still very active vandals, like the ones that are all on all vandals or listen to this podcast. But there's a lot of people – that are the people that go to Boise State games now, or U Dub games, or Wazoo games, and they don't even wear Vandal colors. That are the ones saying this, and then they're the same people mm-hmm. that wouldn't show up and actually donate when you know it came time to it. I think
1: mm-hmm. it's a lot less black and white than uh, it gets made out to be by people who make the most noise.
0: Yeah, promises aren't worth you know the paper you write them on until you actually put some zeros on it and it gets cash. <laughs> Brian, you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I've
2: been out on Paul for a long time. Yeah, um, you have been. but
0: I've been in the opposite. I've been I, a For a player.
2: very long time. But uh,
0: I'm going to say,
2: one, the only reason we even have the discussion is because the financial state we're in. I, I'm just going to contrast this real quick. Rob Ash at Montana State a few years ago, his, he had teams that won the conference. He had teams that made it to the playoffs and advanced. He lost his job partially because they couldn't beat the Grizz. Bob Stitt at Montana w- had winning season each year. Couldn't lost his job because he wasn't making the playoffs. Contrast with us, like it's really a budget question to us. If the budget issue weren't there, I don't think there's even a discussion. We're seven seasons in. Even if you chop off the first two because they needed development, we're still gonna we're still staring at five seasons. One of them winning. I don't know how much more evidence you get. But um, I will say an extra risk we have um, is if we don't for sure have the money in, we could risk worsening our finan- financial situation. And I I just don't want to make anything worse for our team when we have a ton of young guys who have years of eligibility and redshirts to burn. So whatever we do, and I'm fine with getting rid of Paul, but it, it better work both financially and have a good replacement coming in. Because uh, we do have good young guys that, if this goes poorly, like let's say the Verlin situation, we could lose
0: people that we don't want to lose. Yeah. Um, all right. What's the What's the last one here? Oh, those were the three ones. Oh. Okay. Oh wait, actually, sorry. Oh.
2: There's one more. Um, this is the The guy's name is just Lea County, and. Um, it was in response to the premise of like re- rebuilding our fan base. And his question was, um, you know, we say, if you say rebuild the fan base, what numbers do you mean? What does attendance look like? What do donations look like? State of the fan base, et cetera. So for you to be able to say, okay, Idaho football is in a good place. Like, what does that actually look like?
0: It's got to be better than we had it in the FBS. I mean, what were we averaging? I know people always say, well, they have tickets sold, it's not butts and seats. I was there in 2010. I was there in 2011, even 2012. I went to games in, from '05 all the way to uh, 2009. Every single year, I went to one or two in the dome. You probably actually had 12 to 14,000 people at every game. Uh, mm-hmm. I know later there people would go. There was no way there was 14,000 people in the dome. It was more like 10. But the fact that like 10 would be, I think, was our high attendance this year. And it would be yeah. considered our low attendance in the FBS. Yeah. I think when you get to a point where our, even when we are a losing team, we're still getting 10,000 plus people actually in the dome. Because Montana, for how much we just bagged on them for not selling out their stadium and their students not showing up, I, I don't know. I haven't seen them in a losing season. I imagine they're still not averaging, you know, they have more than 4,000 people showing up to their games um, or whatever, you know, percentage of their stadium is. I feel like it's still higher. Montana State still gets more people when they're losing into their games. Uh, And you think you need to get to that point where even when you're in down years, like the way we're stit, or how the first bit of the choke years were going for Montana State, they're still getting at least 50% of their stadium full, um, if not 70, 80%. So I think that's what rebuild for me means. One, that, and I want to start seeing people actually rock their fricking colors. I'm so tired of living in – have and have lived in two cities that have a strong alumni base for the University of Idaho, but they would rather rock purple and gold, maroon or crimson, or blue and orange. And, you know, you can do it for moments, but when people literally won't even like – it's almost like when you shamefully when somebody goes, oh, so like what school did you go to? And you're like, oh, I, I went to Idaho. And I'm like, I don't know. You meet people from the 80s and they don't do that. You meet people from the 80s, and they're extremely proud to have gone to Idaho. You meet people from the 90s, and they're extremely proud to have gone to the University of Idaho. You meet people from, like, the mid-2000s to now, and depending, like, almost every year from, like, '04, pretty much after the Tom Cable debacle, they get less and less enthusiastic to where now you have kids graduating in the class of 2018 that literally – probably will never put on a Vandal shirt again until we're winning national championships and it's a lot like you see with the Eastern Washington fan base where they all came out of the woodwork when they started winning but there wasn't a lot of st- people claiming them when they weren't and I feel like that's you know, what I want to see is people be proud to be an Idaho Vandal and make it to more than just homecoming every year Ditto Brian do you have any input on what you want to see as rebuilding to me yeah, I think if we're averaging in the
2: 12 to 13, um, obviously I want to average sellouts, but I would be happy to walk in uh, to an average game where 12, 13,000 people are there. We know the place is loud when that many people are in the stands. Also, if that many people are in the stands, it means homecoming is essentially guaranteed to be a sellout. And the games like Montana would be where other fan bases will travel. That's guaranteed to be a sellout. And fan base engagement, you know, I don't I live in Coeur d'Alene um, and there's definitely um, a, a vandal contingency here. And I see the same thing you describe. I don't see a ton of vandal shirts around. I'd love to be, see more. I'd also like to know that, like when we go when we're out tailgating, um, you can tell like when you show you can tell when you, you show up at the tailgates, a big deal that typically translates into strong attendance, even if not, everyone makes it in like at the Montana game last year. I want the tailgate to go back to feeling like it's a big event every week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cuz it used to be super fun. Now it, you could literally they're trying to like sell RV spots. So hopefully we got stuff turned around. I mean, like I said the fan base is just it wore a bullet to the head, man, and we're trying to find a way to save it, but um anyway, so let's move on to the big sky pick and we've had enough Idaho talk um for this podcast. Uh last week Brian I have yes 5 and 1 but I, that's a lie you were undefeated last week. TJ and I were 5 and 1. That brings your standing or the standings to Brian at 64 and 14 with an 82% win percentage. Uh crib myself. I always do that third person thing. 58 and 20. I just hit the big 20 on here. Uh next loss is my big uh, drinking birthday. 74.3%. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I, I hope I never get it, but, you know. <laughs> TJ has 56.22 for 71.7%. And then uh, Boatman, who, for those of you that obviously aren't aware, uh, he just hopped off the podcast, but he sent in his picks. He's at 70.2%. So we're starting this week. We will go with – I'll read off Alex's pick, then TJ, you'll pick, then I'll pick, then Brian – Northern Colorado uh versus North Dakota. Alex is taking North Dakota. Uh
3: I am also going North Dakota.
0: Uh I am going to take North Dakota as well. No question
2: North Dakota, but surprising stat, Jacob Nip quarterback for Northern Colorado, number 4 in the Big Sky in passing yards per game in conference play. Yeah.
0: Next up we have the Idaho State Bengals versus BYU. Um, BYU for Alex.
3: Yeah, stick with BYU.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'll take BYU.
2: Yeah, Idaho State scored five against Eastern Washington. They they will not do much better. BYU wins. Uh,
0: Northern Arizona versus Southern Utah. Alex is taking Northern Arizona.
3: I will also stick with the Lumberjacks.
0: I'm going to take the Lumberjacks as well.
2: This is tougher than you might guess. Northern Arizona, zero road wins on the season. But Southern Utah's just got awful. So yeah, Northern Arizona.
0: Hey, don't tell Idaho State they're going awful. Uh, <laughs> Montana State uh, versus UC Davis. Uh Alex is taking. Now we kind of get to some tougher ones. Uh Alex is taking UC Davis. I'm going to go with the Bobcats. I'm uh, I think I'm actually going to take Davis this to me was so damn tough
2: but tucker rovig has been so bad as quarterback for montana state he's the only guy competing with mason petrino for worst quarterback who throws in the league i'm gonna go davis i can't believe i'm going davis
0: yeah me either because i can look at montana state and i really want to pick them but yeah i don't know why i just they're falling apart it feels like at the seams at the wrong time um Speaking of a team that's coming together at the wrong time, Eastern Washington is traveling to Cal Poly, and Alex is taking Cal Poly. Ooh. Oh, wow, I didn't see that one coming. Wow. Uh, Nowhere. Uh, I'm going to go with Eastern. Yeah, I'm taking the Eagles.
2: I'm taking Eastern. They still think their playoff hopes are alive. They're not. Ooh. But uh, <laughs> Eastern still thinks their playoff hopes are alive. They're not. Uh, but... Eastern's going to close the year out winning four in a row. They'll they'll pick it up in Cal Poly pretty easy.
0: Yeah. And then I skipped one. It's actually FCS Fans Nation's Game of the Week, but I like to keep all our Big Sky picks together because we care a little bit more about the Big Sky than we do the whole FCS. Um, Weber State, number three in the country. Traveling to I haven't looked it up, but I'm imagining they're at least number five or number four after the South Dakota State loss, Montana Grizzlies. Boatman is taking
3: he's taking Weber. Sticking with the favorite on the road. Uh if it's going with Dalton Sneed, I think he's one of the best players in the country and take Montana.
0: Oh man, I feel like we're about to shock the world. I'm actually also taking Montana.
3: I, I don't think this one's actually
0: gonna be that close. I think Montana's rolling right now. Man, the,
2: to me, this is tough. So it's Weaver's number three, Montana's number five. Both teams were in the top were in the top uh, eight of the only FCS playoff. Um committee, the, the committee mid, sent, sent, yeah. sends out the rankings once yeah, still, uh, for for the seeded teams. will be both Montana and Weaver are seated. <sighs> Man, I keep wanting I keep thinking I should pick Weaver because I hate them and then they win. But I'm gonna go with Montana.
0: All right, that takes us into the FCS Fans Nation Pick 'em Challenge. Week 11 results. I got five points. TJ pulled a Chris hiccup and forgot to log his picks. Um, we really just want to give everybody a head start. That's why we're doing it. Um, Mitch Hopkins, however, 68 points. Uh, Jamie Hill at 60. She just overtook TJ and Connor. So she made a big jump. Uh, Connor's at 59, so one point behind her. Amazing that TJ's only three behind her with not logging any picks. And then I'm still bringing up the rear of 51. I literally didn't even make up that much room and you didn't even place picks. So I can quit saying that I missed one week. Um, let's see if TJ can keep the roll going. We'll go Brian, myself, and then TJ Davidson versus Stetson. Oh, sorry. That's me first, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good God. Uh, Steph Curry, Davidson. Mm. I was thinking Davidson. I went Stetson, the home team.
3: Yeah, Steph Curry's out for the season, Stetson. <laughs> Yale versus Princeton. Princeton.
0: Yeah, Princeton. Tough loss uh, on the road against Harvard. Uh, they are going to beat Yale at home this week.
3: Yeah, I think Princeton's still the best team in the Ivy League, Princeton. Uh, New Hampshire versus Albany. The
2: playoff committee loves New Hampshire. Yes, I'm do. not 100% sure why, but I'm going to defer to them, New Hampshire. I'm also taking New Hampshire.
3: Yeah, I don't trust Albany, so New Hampshire.
0: Bethune Cookman versus and N-C-A-N-T.
3: NCANT, they've got
2: much better Sagan rankings, so that's easy for me.
0: Furman versus Wafo. Oh, sorry, I'm taking NCANT as well.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm also taking the drumline, nc right,
0: Furman versus Wofford. Taking the Dinosaurs, a.k.a. Paladins, Furman. You know, I wanted to. I think they're going to have like a top eight ranking right now, but I'm taking the Terriers of Wofford. Another team I don't
3: trust is Wofford. I'm going Furman.
0: Alabama AM versus Alcorn State. Alcorn State. Alabama A&M.
3: I like
0: the and ms ms Northern Iowa versus South Dakota State Jack Rabbits. Oh, man. South Dakota State just lost their starting quarterback, didn't they? Yep, and they just lost last week. It, it's at South Dakota? It is in Brookings. Okay, I'm,
2: I am not a believer in Northern Iowa. Um, I don't have a good explanation why,
3: uh, but I'll go South Dakota State.
0: Uh, I am taking Northern Iowa.
3: Yeah, I still think minus a quarterback, uh, they'll bounce back from those two losses in South Dakota State. And then we already covered the game of the week
0: in Montana and Weber, but I want to ask a real quick side question I just thought of. Do you think there is any chance, since next week we will already know, Brawl of the Wild is next week. What are the odds – that that game is coming to um, the brawl of the or uh, sorry uh, college game day is going to make it to brawl of the wild. Do you think there's a shot they'll hit two in a year? Um, do you think maybe the re- one of the re- maybe if it was in Missoula it would be different? Because if I remember correctly, this year's schedule for week 12 is pretty down because it falls on that cupcake weekend for most of the FCS or like the SEC schools and stuff. So I think it'd be great if they did. I like that ESPN is at
2: least open to to showing some of the marquee FCS matchups. I think it we would need Montana State and Montana to win this weekend to sweeten the rankings a little bit um, as be, well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if I'm going to handicap this, you know, I'd say 10%, which is, uh, you know, that's not as bad as it sounds. One out of ten times you get it.
0: Yeah, because I'm thinking, like, only big games I see on the schedule. Number 23, Navy at North Notre Dame. But didn't they already go to Notre Dame? Or is that when they are in Michigan? Um, God, maybe you got Georgia at Auburn. But I think they were already at Auburn for the LSU game at Auburn. Um, maybe West Virginia at Kent State. You have Memphis at Houston. But they already did Memphis this year. I know this one's in Houston. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at this week. That's not helpful, <laughs> on at all. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm kind of curious about this. I just want to riff. We're coming on way under time, and we're not going to have a wing corner. I don't think because Alex left. Are you planning on doing a wing corner?
3: I've. It's not my podcast. It's <laughs> your wing corner. <laughs> 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 um. Let's see here. Da, da, da. You got Texas at
0: Baylor, so maybe there. Um. Yeah, big West Carolina, Oh, that's a big one. You got Penn State at Ohio State. Uh, but that Penn State loss maybe hurts that, uh, but it's late in the year. Yeah, I, I think they're probably going to Penn State, um, Ohio State. But, I mean, there's a chance. Like whoa! whoa, whoa. You,
2: you skipped over Texas State, App State.
0: Illinois well, at Iowa. Um, shout out App State, big win, bounce back win after the Georgia Southern loss. Uh, looking good at the Rock and Boone. I think um, they
3: have as much chance to go to that game, Montana-Montana State, as Boise State has to join the Pac-12. So there's – What makes you so sure about that? They're both very, very not going to happen. Okay. Um, I w- would love to pick your brain on that more,
0: but uh, um, I don't know. Not a podcast topic, I guess. Uh, What game this week are you watching? Um, if you're not watching the Idaho Vandals. I mean, for me, this one's easy. It's Weber at Montana, and it's en route, which I already said I like.
2: Yeah, dude, we, Weber at Montana is like the game of the nation. Yeah. So, yeah, you got, and if you're not watching that, you should be paying attention to Montana State, UC Davis, but Montana Weber, no question.
3: d j Well, I guess other than that, yeah, that UNI uh, South Dakota State game, we'll see what happens in the Missouri Valley And might have some playoff implications.
0: Yeah, kind of a crap week, I feel like, for the CA, which is rare. They usually have a pretty solid matchup. Uh, Wing corner?
3: Yeah, I had some good wings this weekend. Uh, Bad Alberts, if you've ever been to it in Ballard, Seattle. Uh, They have great seafood, great breakfast. Uh, Their wings are breaded with sauce over them, which I feel like I haven't had since Hooters closed. So um, that was great, good little midday snack. When uh, they also had the Vandal game on, so yeah. I can't wait for the what now seven week wait for the Boatman wing yeah. corner. That better be worth He's it. He's avoiding it. Yeah. Um. All right. Time to let everybody know what's going on in their life and how the people can find them. TJ. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at tjhopkins13. I won't respond to you. Um, TJ's wing corner might be phasing out Here soon Is it Uh, a one season type deal Or just you know it might be a TJ phase out It might just happen that way So um, (laughs) it's tough being a vandal this season I don't think it's our worst season Um, It's a lot to think about And I think it's just kind of Now what do we look forward to next year So yeah Uh, Brian So one this is no question, tonally.
2: This was the most depressive podcast I've, I've recorded on. <laughs> yes. To make it a little bit worse, I want to get my basketball update? Idaho played one game last week at UC Riverside. We lost fifty-eight to fifty-one. That's right. We scored fifty-one damn points. We're gonna do something other than cover straight basketball this year. That 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 shit is not. N- not sailing anywhere yeah but you can find me at brian marceau on twitter that's m-a-r-c-e-a-u uh sign up for the for the montana mint newsletter at montana-mint.com and last to restate uh the question earlier that you guys had about paul now that i've had time to rethink about it i don't know why i mitigated i'm 100 percent out
0: yeah <laughs> all right well i guess that leaves it to me you can find me at chris underscore p underscore hammond Uh, On the interwebs. Um, Keep listening. It's only up from here. Uh, We got NAU next week for last game of the year, and then we got our review uh, end of the year segment, in which case we will be probably covering the trailer park reference because it gives us a little bit more time to talk about it. It's time for the best band in all the land, the sound of Idaho, to play us out. Go, band.
2: Go, band.